you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast knows how to slide. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. NFL football! Sundays! The excitement in the room right now, I would call it electric. Palpable. Palpable. We, this is a Sunday night. We are recording after all the games. I don't imagine there are too many other NFL football podcasts that do this. So, you know, Lazy. that's how we roll. That's why we got the Stitcher. That's why we got the best of 2013 in iTunes. Right, Sessler? That is correct. That's why the awards continue to just cascade in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is anyone that's familiar with our podcast knows that we go through each and every Sunday game one at a time and uh, uh, a- analyze them, talk about some big takeaways. And every game gets a-, a good look, an equal look, kind of like the old inside the NFL days with Len Dawson and Nick Bonacani. You mm. look forward to your game and it's going to come up. We don't skip anybody around these parts. They're like children to us. You don't just leave one child outside the house when it's raining. Well, the other 16 eat all day long. I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know either. What, Greg, do you have any kind of big picture takeaway from week one? Ooh. Uh, Caught you off guard there, didn't I? But listen, we're back in the <laughs> mix of things here. Well, maybe because we're taping this on Sunday night. Even though there were some big-name teams that got upset, I just it, the thing that hits me right away is the two Super Bowl teams just looking like Super Bowl teams again. I mean, just that, uh, okay, maybe – Things haven't changed that much in terms of the power teams. That's true. That's true. Also, and this is an unfortunate thing, but injuries uh, are a part of the NFL, and we saw a lot of in- injuries to uh, fairly big names, and we're going to get to all of them. Uh, so, fellas, should we get into it? Let's do it. TD, behind the glass, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. What's going on, fellas? This is your first uh, Sunday it night. It is. And I got a, I got a, I got a special treat for you guys. What? Oh, oh man. Seduction. <laughs> wow, K-Rich, our when girl. In my best oh man, that is it is sultry. I, I wanted the K-Rich song. Remember the K-Rich song? That the bonkers sax. 
Yeah, that was bonkers great. sacks. Our old producer K Rich in the house tonight. Yes, uh, K Rich, good to good to see you. You look beautiful as always, and uh, you did a lot of Sunday night shows. Better looking than TD. Deal with the TD, even though your Superman shirt is very tight and it shows <laughs> the body that you've earned. Uh, K Rich, great to see you, darling. Doing well, guys. Me and TD are fighting behind the glass, but besides that. <laughs> All as well. I know this is this must be tough to have to watch someone else produce your baby here. It's a little tough, but you know I think I'll win in this fight, even though he has a skin tight shirt on. <laughs> nice, <laughs> TD taking down a notch. Uh, all right, well, great to see you, K. Rich, uh, as always, uh, one of the great alums of the Around the NFL podcast. Now let's get to the games, and we had how many games did we have today? We had thirteen. That's right. Yeah, math. I'm on fire the last couple of podcasts. <laughs> uh, so let's start. A lot of good ones, and we'll start with one of the best. Uh, New Orleans, the Saints, head to Atlanta to face the Falcons. The Falcons, of course, coming off that lost 4-12 and season. The Saints, a lot of people picking them as a Super Bowl darling, but the Falcons deliver a statement. Matt Bryan hit a 51-yard field goal to tie it late in the game, then banged a 52-yard field goal in overtime to win it giving the Falcons a 37-34 victory over the Saints, uh, somewhat of an upset, fellas, and the Atlanta Falcons are 1-0. Wes, this was your game. You, you were telling me last podcast <laughs> how this is no longer the best rivalry in the league because it's not competitive anymore. It's not going to be a good game. I was wrong. Well, what happened? The Falcons' offense is for real, and I think the Saints might have some cornerback problems. But uh, – the Falcons ran a lot of four wide sets, as we talked about a couple of times in the preseason. This uh, Devin Hester as a wide receiver thing isn't just an experiment. They're playing him quite a bit. He had 99 yards today, which is too shy of his career high. That's amazing. Five catches for 99 yards out of Devin Hester. Like All those years, we kept making fun of the Bears for trying to maybe just was on the wrong team. He had some big catches, too. He had a 21-yard catch in the late in the fourth quarter that set up that game-tying field goal. He was clutch, and Julio Jones looks like we expect him to look. Roddy White looks like last year's injury plague season never even happened. Matt Ryan was awesome today. Franchise record, 448 yards passing. Yeah, he was he was on point all day long. He, it was a great game by him. Saints offense looked good, too. Brandon Cooks had uh, seven touches for 86 yards and a touchdown by halftime. Mm. He's going to be featured in that offense, it looks like. Wait, Wes, now – you and I have something in common. We picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. To win it. To win it. And uh, you, you know, after seeing the game, I have to go back and watch it. You watched it closely. Are you concerned? I mean, that's a, that's a mountain of yardage to give up. I'm not that concerned, though. I think it says more about the Falcons than it does about the Saints. And maybe, uh, maybe I was sucked in by hard knocks a little bit. I always do seem to. Uh, as Greg and I are both on the same page with that, sometimes you can get behind that Hard Knocks team after following them for a month on premium cable. But I, I well, you're emotional, and so you're easily swayed. <laughs> All right, so I was swayed towards the winning circle because I was the only one to pick the Atlanta hero Falcons pick. in this game. So that is the first hero pick of the season. And uh, how do you like them apples, Sessler? That's an excellent bit of self-promotion. Probably the first of many in this episode. <laughs> Dan dropped hero picks like, uh, uh, I don't know yes, what. Yes, this will be, just a heads up, this will be a recurring theme throughout <laughs> Sunday night's podcast. Dan picking correctly on if, hero picks. If only you could pick the rest of your games. Oh, well. whatever. Typical Rosenthal shoot-down move. Uh, how about this? Saints defense. So it, is there at least a chance that these two teams are more similar than you guys thought going into the season in that they have an unbelievable offense? I think 
both offenses could be really good, and they have you know mediocre defenses. Why would the Saints be a mediocre defense all year long? They were fourth last year, and they've upgraded the personnel. I just look at them on paper, and they don't seem like a fourth uh, talent type of team. Schedule, I think, was a factor in that last year. They kind of play that Rob Ryan, Mike Lombardi used to call it battleship style, where some games you're going to hit big and some games you're going to not. I think they'll be great at home, but when they're on the road, it didn't shock me that that Ryan racked up some yards. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. They'll, They'll give up some points on the road. Moving on. Greg Rosenthal's New England Patriots going to Miami. Everybody, you know, a lot of people thought, hey, the, the Pats will take care of business. A lot of people picking him to go to the Super Bowl. No, it didn't work out that way. The Miami Dolphins went off, uh, outscoring the, Dol- uh, the Patriots 23 to nothing in the second half in a 33 to 20 win over the defending AFC East champions. Uh, that is a difficult loss for the Pats. Greg Rosenthal, your thoughts? Well, there's nothing fluky about it. The Dolphins completely dominated the second half of the game on both lines. I mean, the Patriots' offensive line just got shredded. Cameron Wake was probably the MVP of this game, or it was Sean Moreno, which just reminds me, the offseason, sometimes it doesn't matter at all because I was killing Sean Moreno. Remember, he showed up to camp out of shape, and then he had surgery. We thought maybe he gets cut. He ran like he had been listening to everyone talk about that he was only a scheme player because he broke a tackle on every single play. I mean, whether it was the first quarter, second quarter, it just popped off the screen. Even though Lamar Miller started, Moreno finished off the Patriots. You know who wasn't the MVP of this game? Tom Brady, (laughs) who obviously, you know, we're all on the same page that Brady is still going to be a top-level quarterback this season, but this was not a good start for the mighty quarterback. Well, after the first half, they looked like, they were in midseason form. They moved the ball really well in the first half, scored a lot of points, short passes. By the end of the game, he's he's in the Gabbard zone. 4.4 yards per attempt wow. for the game. 56 throws. And I think the problem was, even though he got hit a lot, he got knocked down 10 times in this game, so that's the recipe to beat him. There were a handful of times when he did not have pressure on him, and he threw it deep, and he was not accurate. He missed five deep throws. Two for 18 on passes of 15 yards or more. See, I'm just making it. I'm thinking of ones even that were easy, but that that pretty much tells the story for you. What happened to the whole thing about um, uh, Brady and his receivers having another year to to coalesce? Not today. It's a better receiver group overall. Edelman was very active. Tompkins was okay. But they don't have a speed vertical guy. That's, That's a problem. And Gronk. You know, was on the field. He scored a touchdown, had a fine fantasy day, but he didn't look like the same Gronk. He's not moving as well. So there's a difference between the Gronk that came back from back and arm surgeries and the <laughs> Gronk that came back from the knee surgery? At least so far. I would think he'll get into the mix. It was always up in the air whether he was going to play week one, but he just wasn't as – he wasn't moving nearly as well. And and there, when you're throwing deep to Edelman and Amendola, something eh, – those aren't deep guys. Wait, Greg, real quick. This was more about, for you, New England not – Playing no. up to what it can do, or is Miami a no. different football team? No, it was Miami. I just think they took it to the Patriots in the second half. Bill Lazor show. Bill Lazor, your boy, Mark, who you wanted on the Making the Leap series, and eventually it got shot down. <laughs> Cue laser sounds. Yeah. The he, Dolphins. Top, he came out, he looked good. Dolphins top 30 points in a game. This is breaking news because the, over the last two years, 
they were tied with the Jaguars for fewest 30-point games in the NFL. The Dolphins turned the ball over three times in the first half. They get a C-plus game out of Ryan Tannehill. When you guys go back to watch this game, Tannehill didn't play that great, missed a lot of throws. This was about the running game, and that's what they built in Philadelphia, the whole offense around. It was about the running game, and there were lots of open receivers. Mike Wallace also had a very good game other than a fumble. Uh, I just I like the look of this offense. looked a lot more cohesive. I can't wait anymore, fellas. I think we have to get Kevin Patrick on the line for his first appearance of the 2014 season. It feels like the right time, so why don't we do that? We'll get him on the line and talk about some games he watched closely starting with Buffalo-Chicago. TD, can we make that happen? Yes, we can. Kevin Patrick, are you there, buddy? Yes, sir. How's it going, fellas? Kevin Patrick, coming at you, buddy. Welcome back. Another season. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We have real football, finally. What dark bar are you in, like a huddled in a hallway after watching a full slate of NFL action? You know what? I've had a rough couple of days, so I was just hanging out with my brother. Ah, okay. I like, I've like. i learned enough about Patrick working with him for several years now. When he said he has a rough couple of days, don't ask. Right. Because it can mean a lot of different things. <laughs> right. This is a man who's openly spoke of street fights. Right. He's basically a local tough. There could be dead bodies in a closet somewhere. <laughs> Certainly content not that, not to go that, that far. but Not, not, not stuff for a family show. <laughs> uh, all right, so Kevin Patrick, let's keep the train rolling. Uh, Buffalo and Chicago. The Buffalo Bills, of course, went to the Windy City. Everybody thought, oh, the Bears are going to take care of business. It didn't work out that way. Buffalo jumped out to a 17-7 lead after Jay Cutler led the, Bills, excuse me, led the Bears back to tie it up. The uh, Bills finish it off with a field goal to win it. And you have a 1-0 and Bills team and an 0-1 Chicago Bears team. We did not see this coming, did we? We didn't, especially after the Bears' first drive. Cutler just diced up the Bills' defense, and it looked like, wow, this could be just as easy as he started out last year. And then it just fell apart for Cutler. He made he turned into bad Cutler. He started throwing off his back foot when the Bills mm. started getting pressure. He made the worst interception I've ever, I've ever seen, that Kyle Williams, the defensive Did you see Josh McCown's interception, interception? today? Pardon? Did Never you see mind. Josh McCown's interception today? Because maybe that would be worse. Well, I did see it. It, it was, but I mean, when it just gets tackled, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, you know, and then EJ Manuel didn't play great, but he was a game manager. He looked better than he did in the five preseason games, but that isn't saying much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bills ran the ball, uh, used it all out of different backs. Nobody stood out. The crazy thing about the Bills is they won on the road. And there's nobody on offense that you could point in that stood out very well. Well, how about my guy uh, Robert Woods, the man? He, there's a there's a sandwich on the line if he leads the Bills in receiving. And you know what he's doing after one week? He's leading the Bills four, in receiving. Four catches for 78 yards for Robert Woods. And he, he clearly had the most rapport with EJ Manuel. He looked to him early in the in the beginning of the game, and he had a good like 32 yard catch and run. But early it was mostly short passes. Check down EJ was in full force early. And then he hit Sammy Watkins on a couple of teams, and then he started to open up a little bit. But he only hit through 22 passes. They were clearly managing the game for him. And look about, how about Fred Jackson? We Everyone wrote this guy off three years ago. Fred Jackson had half as many carries as C.J. Spiller, uh, but had more yards, 61 yards. Fred Jackson can still move. Yeah, and he stiff-armed the hell out of Chris Conte to get to the one-yard line, too. It was murder. Uh, it was an awesome run by him. Uh, the, the, the Bears ran blitz, and he got past it, and he was just gone. Uh, and that was the end of the game, and that was that came after the Bears couldn't do anything on their uh, opening OT drive. And what did you? And I, go ahead. What did you see from EJ Manuel? 
Well, like I said, I, I mean, he, he was checked down most of the way. He was just a game manager. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot. They, he just did. He had one play where he was moving uh, to his left, and he tried to throw it across his body, and he threw a pick. Other than that, he was just checked down. Don't make, don't force any throws. If it's not there, dump it off. That that was what he did. He had a 7.9 average and only 173 yards. Like I said, he only had 22 passes. So they really were managing the game for him. Should we see this as a foreboding sign for the Chicago yes. Bears? Yes, yes. This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst loss of the day, isn't it? Absolutely. I feel like if you're a Bears fan, you went through the Lovey Smith era with a semi-dominant defense that never had an offense to really complement it. Now it's the exact reverse. Where this, you had you had four receivers with over 70 yards. It's a, it's a it's a very competent, effective passing game. But then. Man, the defense is a nightmare. Well, they had 29 first downs and 20 points, which is a disaster in terms of efficiency. I mean, they, that means they moved the ball all day, but they couldn't score. They go to San Francisco next week on Sunday night. Then they're in New York against the Jets. I mean, it's very easy to imagine them 0-2 heading to the Jets and needing a win there early. It could be a bit of a panic time. And also, Jeffrey getting hurt and not playing in the fourth quarter in overtime, was, you could tell their offense couldn't do much without him. It was mostly dump-offs to Matt Forte, who looked great again, by the way. I should add that. Um, but the defense, is they, they hyped it up all offseason. They couldn't get a pass rush to save their lives. Mm. It is just this defense looks really bad again. All right, let's move on to – and it pains me to say this, but to the game that featured the coach that made the best second-half adjustment of the day. <laughs> His name is the genius, Chip Kelly. The Eagles fall behind 17 nothing in the first half. Uh, behind a slew of Nick Foles' turnovers. They rally back, however, in the second half and end up with a 34-17 win. Uh, that is 34 unanswered points after that slow start. So, uh, you know, there was a point in this game where uh, Foles was hurting and struggling and Mark Sanchez had his helmet on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden mm-hmm. people were buzzing about what was happening with the Philadelphia Eagles, but all was right by the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was really a, a game with two halves. And, and Nick Foles, he, to be honest, Nick Foles played the same pretty much throughout. It was just the better players finally won out on the Eagles' side, which clearly had more depth and just won out. And Foles stopped turning the ball over. He still made not-so-great not throws. He still was high on a lot of throws. And he still held onto the ball too damn long. Throw the ball. Mm. Uh, he, that's why he kept getting those sacks. He didn't get rid of the ball. He had protection at first. And then he just got, didn't see the guy from the backside. Two fumbles. On the first two drives, set up the Jags for their two two touchdown scores by our boy Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns might be was probably the MVP of the entire league after the first quarter of the first week. <laughs> I think I worked at TGI Fridays with him in the summer of two thousand. <laughs> Is that the same guy? The last He's not, pl- I promise you. Oh, okay. Should we give credit to the Jaguars for being feisty here, or just annoyed that uh, they didn't <laughs> hold on to the thumbs lead? down? K. Rich is Greg's not assertion, it. which. Uh, I'm, I'll answer. I'll step in. Why should we give them any credit? They're supposed to be good this year. Go up seventeen nothing in the third quarter. You got it. You can't get blown out in that game. Well, that is a terrible way to finish a game for Jacksonville. Jaguars still have the lead going into the fourth quarter. That is rough. I like that week one brings out all the uh, crazies. Yeah, all the knee jerks. Guy, somebody tweeted me at, at like uh, halfway through the second quarter and said, "I can't wait to hear your precious." genius chip kelly on the podcast tonight (laughs) (laughs) these people i don't know the week one overreaction stuff really gets to me well kevin are we uh how should we react to toby gearhart making the leap candidate Mm. 18 carries for 42 yards and 2.3 yards i know he was uh he what he hurt his ankle or something during the game 
Well, how does he um, look to you before that, though? Is this is this guy really someone you can anchor the offense to? I, I don't know because their offensive line. I mean, he was running into guys at the line. I mean, every yard he got, he earned hardcore. Uh, he had, there was no open holes. I think he had one run where he bumps it outside that he got like six or eight yards. But that was it. I mean, he was getting hit right at the line every time. They were not opening up a single hole for him. I'm, I'm kind of worried because he didn't seem to be able to burst through that, those tackles like we saw in the past. Thank you, Kevin. See you, Kevin. Kevin Always. covering uh, the Lions – Giants for us on Monday Night Football live in Detroit. in the house in the house. Go I always oh, feel like we're, we pan out from Kevin and he's in a Chicago bar where he's convinced everyone in the tavern <laughs> to stay quiet while they turn the music down. And now that he's off the phone, back to yank normal. it up. It's yeah. Lionel Richie. Like everybody's dancing. Definitely I can imagine Lionel that. Richie. Yeah, everybody's dancing, dancing on, on the, the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, TD, I was you know I'm just thinking like this is a new season. Uh, it's exciting. We're going through all the games on a Sunday evening. Why don't we get a little music in here? Get some music, some familiar sonic arrangements while we go through the rest of the games. I got, I, I got just a thing for you. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's pretty good. That beats Lionel Richie. That's pretty good. But I was thinking something else. You have anything else? Uh, let's see. I got this. <laughs> now you're just going through all your sound clips. That is true, which is not a lot. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, how about this? How does this work for you? Mm. I can warm up to this. Foreboding. <laughs> ah, that's nice. All right, let's keep moving forward. I like to call this song Mountainside Death Wish. <laughs> <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. All right, let's move on. Cincinnati Bengals, they head the Bengals, head to the Baltimore Ravens. And it doesn't work out for the Baltimore Ravens. The Cincinnati Bengals get a 77-yard touchdown reception from A.J. Green with less than five minutes to go. That was countered after a Steve Smith touchdown reception put the Ravens ahead. The Bengals blew a 15-0 lead but still came back to win 23-16. Woo! Bengals, another hero pick for one Dan Hansis. <laughs> and while we're here, the TD... Do you have anything you could play for the rest of the fellas? Because I was listening to the podcast uh, the other day when you were talking about some of my hero picks. Mm. What do you got there, Tina? Oh, my gosh. Dolphins, Patriots, another game where Dan Hansis has a hero <laughs> pick because he's insane. All right. What else do we have? We'll we just keep going. <laughs> Sounds Crazy like Dan's pick. in his own head. He's got a little RG3 action going on right now. <laughs> he's picked some wild ones. Anything else? Dan took a few weeks off, mm. Ooh, comes back, and he picks like five hero picks right off the bat, Ooh. most of which don't make sense. Well, the connective tissue is also <laughs> when you have a human being under the age of six oh. months in your house waking up every three hours. <laughs> you start to do things that don't make sense from an adult level. Well, this was, fellas, uh, that was my third well, hero pick. Well, hold on. I, have to, like, I was trying to go out of my way to, had you gotten all those wrong, to hey, give I, you a backing there. All we're saying here. We gotta go to. We gotta say scoreboard right now. Five of us picked games for the week. Out of the five of us, you are tied for fourth. You are a sad, sad man. I'm Greg just saying, ball. though. That's a that's a fact. What we are discussing. Let's give Sessler a little credit for picking. More I don't games need correct than to anyone else. use this podcast to self promote <laughs> for what, a full forty five. What we minutes. are discussing <laughs> are the hero picks, and I. That's what all those sound bites were, and you guys counted me out. A lot of people count me out. Call me the underdog champion. Of the underdog, in fact. Let's move forward. Dan has brought this podcast to a screeching <laughs> and awkward halt. All right, so thank you. Let's get back into it. 
you guys are putting your place, and I'm happy. A.J. Green wins it, 77-yard touchdown. The Bengals, big road win over Baltimore. I there was that, a game? <laughs> I love that Cincinnati, when we're concerned about this potentially being an average team, opens with five straight field goals. Mm, very it should, Yeah, it should have been, instead of 15 to nothing, it should have been 28 or 31 to nothing. The Ravens got worked over, uh, and their offense looked terrible. Every time I turned on this game, a skidding pass from Joe Flacco was just going across the field or at his receiver's feet or Steve Smith was dropping it or Owen Daniels was dropping it. The offense just looked horrible. And, you know, it was last year that they go out, the Ravens, against the Broncos in the opener, and Flacco looks completely out of sorts throwing 62 passes. So we write all these puff pieces all offseason long saying, Gary Kubiak's here. He's going to manage Flacco and make him a smarter passer. You'll never see 62 attempts ever again in Baltimore during the Flacco era. How many attempts tonight? 62. Give me a break. (laughs) Well, Bernard Pierce got benched for fumbling. No Ray Rice. They were in a kind of a tough spot offensively today. Bernard Pierce got thoroughly outplayed by Justin Forsett. I don't think it was bad that that he ended up on the bench. Right. Right. So, should the Bengals won this game by more? Yes. Because, I mean, this they were losing with five minutes left before that green play. They were losing because they failed to take advantage of all those scoring drives early in the game. And Steve Smith, kind of a broken play, got behind Pac-Man Jones and Flacco hit him. And then Steve Smith grabbed Pac-Man Jones by the face mask and just threw him about five yards. Sit down, son, was basically yeah. what the play was. Ice up. Um, any other comments on this game, fellas? Flacco ran. He ran. They ran out of time in the first half. I guess he, he called it the stupidest play he's ever made in football. It looked like it watching the game. These games, home losses in the division, those are the those are the ones you circle. I mean, that's a big that's a big loss. They're going to have to go to Cincinnati later in the season and get a win on the road, or else they're in a big hole. You know, it was almost as stupid as that play, taking sacks on third and fourth down with the game on the line in the red zone. That was Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Oh my gosh. The Houston Texans, fellas, have snapped a 14-game losing streak. A rookie named Alfred Blue. Familiar with his work, Mark? I believe that we had a few tweets about him during the preseason. He, was, he ran hard in August. Blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. That was a big play in this game. Against the Redskins, J.J. Watt had a monster game, and it all added up to a 17-6 win for the Texans. Texans over the Redskins at Reliance Stadium. And uh, the two big takeaways I had was, A, J.J. Watt, sack, blocked an extra point, recovered a fumble, knocked down a pass, had another uh, sack that was wiped out because of intentional grounding penalty, absolutely dominated the game. Seven quarterback hits. Seven quarterback hits. This was an outrageous performance from uh, the best defensive player in the league who just signed a major, major contract. The other guy that jumped out to me, but for different reasons, RG3, Robert Griffin III, Listen, I'm not writing off his comeback player of the year chances at this point, but this was another very suspect sign or a bad sign for a a player that just doesn't seem to kind of know who he is right now. He didn't use his scrambling ability. I don't even know if it's there right now. He was under duress and was unable to get away from the pass rush, and he really did very little in the game. They didn't move the ball. The Redskins have a lot of problems. What's What's the difference between the box score and what you're saying, though? Because if you wake up Sun Monday and you or you just look online, it's you know he 29 for 37, 267. It's a good average. Uh, 
did fumble twice, so that that's big. But it didn't. It doesn't look like he had a disastrous game if you just look at right. The and I guess that's when the box score can be deceiving. And I and I, you know, when we watch these games, maybe if I rewatch it, maybe it will seem that he played better. But I implore you guys to check it out, as I know you will, and let me know what you thought about it. He just didn't seem to be a confident player. Uh, there was just the way he was playing. He just doesn't look anything like the guy in 2012. That knee brace is gone, but he didn't have any of that dynamic juice. And he certainly seems to be hesitant about running with the football. Maybe that's a Jay Gruden plan to keep him in the pocket, but that's still very much a work in pro- progress. Beyond the box score, didn't he also throw almost every single pass within five yards of the line of scrimmage? Yeah, there was not a lot of downfield throwing. It didn't help that Jordan Reed, who's really one of his big guys over the middle, went out with a hamstring injury, left the game. Deshaun Jackson was not an impact player in this game. Uh, there just there was no explosiveness in their attack. What a terrible week one feeling for Redskins fans to score six points in Houston to let Ryan. F- I know Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I know the Texans didn't score a ton either, but. 206 yards, 9.4 yards per attempt. We we killed Fitzpatrick in this Texans offense. Did they at least look a little bit better in this game than they, expected? Yeah, I mean, Arian, here's the big takeaway for me. Arian Foster uh, is back to being a workman, a workman in this offense. He had 26 carries, went over 100 yards uh, for, I believe, the 26th time in his career. He looks like he's healthy. Uh, if you want to talk about a big downside, oh, DeAndre Hopkins also had a long touchdown. Uh, 76 yards, uh, making the leap candidate, I believe. Mm, yes. Uh, so he looked good. I don't want to bury what may can be seen as the lead potentially as well for the Texans. Jadavian Clowney suffered a knee injury left in the second quarter, out four to six weeks per mm. Ian Rappaport, the rap sheet, uh, with a torn meniscus issue that will require, require surgery on Monday and also a sprained MCL. So that is the bittersweet aspect of what was a very good day for the Texans. By the way, our, our daunting NFL music is spun into what seems like a low-level dance hall. Oh, I know <laughs> this one. <laughs> Come on. This one's a jaunty hit. Somebody in the corner doing the Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, you guys don't own Power in the Glory, the great NFL film CD that was put out about I'm familiar with ago. this song. I just think maybe, <laughs> you know, let's shift into something a little bit more. TD, uh, Mark, Sessler, Mark Sessler has requested he you change the song. He wants some rough and tumble. I want to go back to Mountainside Death Wish. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Blackbeard's Revenge if you have it. Thank you. Here we are. You mentioned the grim feeling for Redskins fans. This is the biggest loser game. The Texans had the longest losing streak in the NFL at 14 games. Now the Redskins had the longest losing streak in the NFL at nine games. Ouch. Uh, Moving forward, the Kansas City Chiefs got out to a, what, 8-0 start last year? That's correct. Uh, 9-0, wasn't it? Maybe 9-0. Who knows? It didn't matter. Ultimately, they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and the new season is not starting uh, well at all. A 26-10 loss at home to, I don't know, it's the Tennessee Titans? Is that a, <laughs> what is that? a relatively that new team? team? Yeah, established in is that 96, an independent league I believe. Team? The Tennessee Titans? <laughs> uh, Jake Locker, who I guess is the quarterback by the stats, 266 yards and two touchdowns, outplayed Alex Smith. Who threw three? Inter- I'm going to get tweets from Titans fans over that. Three interceptions from from Alex Smith. Uh, also, injury issues for the Kansas City Chiefs, who lost uh, Mike DeVito and Derek Johnson to Achilles injuries, season-ending uh, Achilles injuries. A bad, bad day in Kansas City for the Chiefs. Well, you were talking about biggest losers. The Chiefs are the biggest losers of Week One. They lost Week One. <laughs> they were at home against the Titans. One of the only games, if you look at their schedule, that they'll be favored for the next seven weeks. 
and they got crushed. And they lost one of the most underrated defensive players in the league, their defensive heart and soul, Derek Johnson. They lost another starter that you mentioned, Mike DeVito. I mean, it could not have possibly been worse. The Titans pushed them around. This game was defined by one play that repeated 20 different times. Alex Smith backing up to pass and then just sitting there and waiting and, like, looking around. Wait, oh, wait, no, we have no players that are wide open and, and just... Scrambling around for 20 seconds, and eventually he'll throw the what? ball away. Greg, Greg is out of his chair what doing about, an Alex Smith impression. It was actually, yeah, a diagram of what Alex Smith looked like, which I enjoyed. What happened to the Chiefs offense, by the way, that was explosive in the second half of last season in the playoffs? They need some wide receivers. Donnie Avery is getting all the targets. They have no Dwayne Bowe today. Bowe was suspended. He'll be right. back. What about the son of uh, Ernest Hemingway or the grandson of <laughs> Ernest Hemingway? Uh, he... Junior was not really in the mix. Frankie Hammond was. Anthony Fasano. They actually tried to get Travis Kelsey involved. I mean, Jamal Charles had 19 yards in this game. Uh, rushing 34 total. That's less than half of any game that he had last year. His worst game of the year last year was over 75. He did absolutely nothing. What was nothing. that all about? Snow holes? Just... Nothing. The yeah. Titans dominated uh, up and down. Ray and, Horton. Yeah, Ray Horton got him moving. And the Titans' offense was solid. Jake Locker getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Justin Hunter, another making the leap guy, was, was looking good. And how about a little kick of revenge? Ryan Suckup. Oh, I forgot. Former Mr. Irrelevant. Perfect on four attempts. I, playing against a team that cut him last this week. This was the Burn. most exciting story of Greg's day. I was honking <laughs> about it. I assigned myself Titans Chiefs just because I'm that kind of guy. I was getting excited. Area man honks about kicker's success against <laughs> former employer. You can't you can't cut Suckup. I mean, no one talked about that all You're week. being a Suckup to Suckup. Oh, you yeah. You cut Suckup. Luck, Luck, Manny, and all, all these other games. How about Ryan Suckup returning to Arrowhead and sticking it up a Andy Reid? Suckup doesn't suck. <laughs> Total <laughs> Jenga piece material right there. <laughs> Moving forward, Chris Ivory, a man that was not on Wes's running back list, burst through the defensive line of the Oakland Raiders for 71 yards and a touchdown, the biggest play in a 19-14 win by the New York Jets on Sunday at the Meadowlands, the Jets Vastly outplayed the Raiders and Derek Carr, holding the Raiders to, I believe, less than 130 yards of total offense. Uh, the Jets did not play great. Geno Smith made some mental mistakes, as he's wont to do. But they get the victory, as we all had predicted. You know why Chris Ivory wasn't on my list? Why? It wasn't a list of most time spent in the tub. <laughs> Ooh, mm. ouchers. Not today. He's bursting into the second level. Wait, with Geno, though, are you seeing improvement? Here's the thing. Interesting performance from Geno Smith. And again, I know you're all film junkies. Watch Geno Smith because 12 consecutive completions at one point, which never happened last year. He was pretty scattershot. He looks much more comfortable in the pocket. He has a much – his release looks cleaner. It seems like he's seeing the field better. Uh, but he also continues to have issues with some decision-making. He uh, did not get down in slides soon enough. That led to one fumble in the red zone. He threw an interception on a great diving play by Charles Woodson, uh, fumbled twice, actually, and also got sacked uh, and took the Jets out of field goal range on a field goal attempt that would have iced the game. So you're, you're still dealing with that kind of stuff. But then again, it's still the first game of year two. It's, this is a ongoing progress, on-balance progress for Geno. 82% completed 23 of 28 passes. It Third highest single-game total in franchise history for completion percentage. <laughs> this, this should have been a beatdown. 400 total yards to 158. Yeah. I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew, for everyone that drafted him in the fourth or fifth round of their fantasy leagues, you deserve what you got. 
yeah, anyone could have seen There this. is nothing going on in that backfield. And Derek Carr, to his credit, he started out, I believe, 5-5, five and five, actually. A lot of checkdowns and things of that nature. But once Rex Ryan really started to kind of get in a groove, Carr had, had nowhere to go with the ball. He was running for his life. They got a late touchdown and a beautiful catch by James Jones to at least give him a shot and an onside kick that didn't work out for them. But, uh, you know, when you look at this Raiders offense, the running game's not getting excited. They don't have great weapons. And you got a rookie quarterback. Wes, you talked about it on our last podcast. He's entering a deathly situation, so I don't see how this could turn out well. Won't be uh, quite the same story potentially next week when they go into Green Bay to face a hyper-angry Packers team. No. The secondary not quite tested by Derek Carr. He didn't really have a chance to because the Jets have that great front. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, you know he's going to be taking shots at the Jets secondary next week. But for now, a win for my team. Then now we move to Mark's team, the Cleveland Browns, who fell behind 27-3 at the end of the second quarter. Hold on. I will not discuss this game with this music in the background. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Dujanti? Yeah, what <laughs> is, is this one? This is just This outrageous. is another classic. You guys aren't true fans of the game if you don't like all these songs. This is great NFL films. All right, Forge on. Now we're in a meadow. Is this good for you? You like meadows. This is fine. You like wilderness and meadows. <laughs> this is good. All right, let's move forward. Pittsburgh Steelers went up 27-3, Mark. I was sitting across from you. You looked like a broken man. It was way too early in the season to see that from you. But then something happened. Brian Hoyer wakes up. The offense wakes up. All of a sudden, it's 27-27. Browns even get the ball. They have possession late in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. It doesn't work out. Eventually, Sean Sweesom uh, hits a 41-yard field goal. Steelers win 30-27. So a lot of people in the office come up to Mark and say, oh, you know, great moral victory. You know, you have to be happy about it. Something <laughs> that, uh, understandably, I saw Mark's frustration with. Well, I agree with Mike Pettin, and this is what we would not have heard from the Pat Shermers of the world. He basically said that he told the team, this is a pass-fail league, and we failed. Mm. You lost the game. I, I understand that you can try to draw things, that, but that's the sign of a bad team. Oh, look it, you did this a little bit better than you have in the past. And there were encouraging signs, because if I really want to point something out that they did in, to get back into that game, they dominated the line of scrimmage. They had three running backs run for six-plus yards wow. per carry. And your boy got in the mix. Well, because ben, ben Tate left <laughs> with need, an injury. Yeah, you need to be more specific, right? Terrence West and Isaiah <laughs> Crowell. I mean, they ran for 173 yards off 27 carries, that, that trio of guys. They haven't done that in ages in Cleveland. So, you know, some of these teams talk about, like, so the St. Louis Rams, for instance, we're going we're gonna to beat teams with the run. No, you're not, because you can't do it. You've got to be able to do it. Cleveland showed some ability today. But bottom line, Big Ben, 18-1 and one against Cleveland. That's the best record by a quarterback against another team mm. since 1970. Wow. It's been absolutely dominant, and there's no way to escape this with a loss and say it's a moral victory or anything else. they got the Saints next week. That won't get any easier. The defense gave up almost 400 yards in the first half. What's going on with Joe Hayden? Uh, Joe Hayden and Justin Gilbert. Brown. Justin Gilbert came out of a very ugly preseason and got fried today by making the leap candidate Marcus Wheaton. Antonio mm. Brown owned Joe Hayden. That's a concern. There's a lot that they have to go back and fix, or it's going to be a long year. Two things, uh, both Johnny Manziel related. One, one question. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? The answer is yes, definitively. Chris Wessling will eat his softball pants. <laughs> wow, I don't remember. Brian Hoyer. <laughs> 
How did you do that? Did I ever say that, or did you splice that together? That yeah. was our main man, Tristan, man. He sent me an email like what? midnight one yeah. random day, and it was great. Oh, the great I, Australia, I the yeah. Aussie. The Aussie. After Steve Irwin passed, Tristan zoomed to number one on the Australian power rankings, and he's staying there. Too soon? Uh, Wes, you're eating softball pants. Your thoughts? I don't really have any thoughts. I mean, <laughs> I said I would do it, so I have to do it. Do you think Johnny Manziel could have thrown for 230 yards in a touchdown, no no interception, 7.4 yards per attempt, and scored 27 points in Pittsburgh? I don't know. I didn't watch the game. I'm just saying, Brian Hoyer. Nice performance by Hoyer. Especially did Hoyer play half. well? Yeah, I mean, well, he didn't play well in the first half at all. And he continues to, if you do watch the tape, underthrow people, miss targets at the same time. He played mistake-free in that second half. I mean, the run led the way here. But I think what Hoyer did is what they are hoping he could do on one of his better days. And speaking of Manziel and Wes, yeah, for the listeners maybe that didn't know, Wes said that he would eat his softball pants if Manziel wasn't the week one starter. So we will readdress. We are going to address that later at some point and get that in his system. Uh, as for Hoyer, um, playing really well in the second half, obviously that's going to give him the week two start as well, you would think. Manziel's not any closer to seeing the field after week one, I don't right? think, like, you know, in, in NFL media insider Ian Rappaport spoke with people in Cleveland that basically said, we're not going to use Manziel unless it makes sense. And it did not make sense at any point in today's game. I do think we'll see him in time, but, you know, it, it, this is Hoyer's job for another week. All right, so not, you still don't think not a lot of rope for him, but for at least one more week. All right, moving forward, one of the more impressive wins of, the, uh, of Sunday, maybe not against a stellar team, but still the performance opened eyes. The Minnesota Vikings uh, went to St. Louis. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> took, the, took the Rams to the woodshed. Of course, no Sam Bradford there, but uh, put a 34-6 beating on the Rams. Corderell Patterson, number one on our Making the Leap candidate list, had a monster game, a 67-yard scoring run, actually ran for 100 yards on just three carries. And the Rams held to Adrian Peterson under 100 yards and still got blown out. Sean Hill also got hurt in this game. Uh, just a bad sign for the Rams this season. And a nice start for the Vikings, which, Mark, you nominated as a potential team of ATL. Yeah, they. Uh, Mike Zimmer has put together – a more aggressive defense than I think we've seen in a really long time in Minnesota. They've ditched the whole cover two business. They're doing some complex uh, pass rushing alignments up front. They, the Rams had no shot in this game from the beginning. Their offense looked completely dead on arrival. And, you know, it's Matt Castle. He, he didn't light up the skies. He wasn't a fireball, but he got the job done. And then Cordero Patterson, Three straight games with touchdowns out of the backfield for 35-plus yards. The whole, It's ridiculous. I mean, it's no receiver's ever done that. He's used it. I think he's a, he's a really good fit for Norv Turner, who, who's already found a way to use him creatively. Uh, the, the, the Vikings are going to be a tough out for teams that can't handle what they have going on on defense in terms of the way they're disguising blitzes and getting to the quarterback. Everyone talks that the NFC West is, is going to be so good this year. They might have one of the worst teams in the league with the Rams. I, and I know it's only a game, but it just after one week to feel this hopeless that you're already losing Sean Hill and you're 
splitting carries with Benny Cunningham and Zach Stacy, and maybe getting, they'll draft a quarterback next year. Right, <laughs> and you're getting drubbed by the Vikings. It's only one week, but it's just brutal. Mark my words, we're seeing Case Keenum. Let's move forward to Dallas. Now, this is one hero pick that I must say I failed horribly on. I thought the Cowboys would put up a fight at home. They did not. They fell behind 28-3 in the second quarter to the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick, any questions about disharmony in Ninerland or Kaepernick not looking good? He looked great. Vernon Davis uh, looked great. They ended up winning 28-17. Uh, the Cowboys look as bad as as many people fear or suspect, and Tony Romo looked frankly rusty in his first game back after back surgery. For all the talk of the beleaguered defense, it was the offense that put them behind the eight ball with four first half turnovers. At one point, it looked it was like every few minutes I would look up. I was trying to write stories and I was peeking back and forth at the TV, and every time I looked up, a, a 49ers defensive player was running as fast as he could toward the end zone with the ball. <laughs> Very odd to see defensive <laughs> players, every time you look up, about to score a touchdown. I can't believe Vernon Davis only had 44 yards in this game. It seemed like every time I looked up, he was running free, too. The Cowboys defense didn't even play that bad in this game, did they? Yeah, they I don't did. Know. They did? Yes. They The yards the, don't look so bad because the 49ers covered most of the field, but their defensive players returning mm. interceptions and fumbles. Here's a stat that speaks to that from uh, the Associated Press. The Niners led 21-3 after the first quarter despite running just four offensive plays. Yeah, that's, that's so what kind of game it was. They had three quarters. It's insane. That's what kind of game. I mean, Kaepernick had the fifth best passer rating of his career. It wasn't like the, the Cowboys' defense played well. Carlos Hyde looked great for the 49ers. This might be the year that Greg's boy, Frank Gore, finally falls. So when it comes to Hyde, though, we got more time than we thought today. Is that because this game was completely out of hand and they wanted to maybe – I mean, I think they want to want to rest Gore at times this season. Is it really more of a eating into Gore's carries? Oh, I think he's definitely going to eat into Frank Gore's carries. I think he got seven seven or eight rushes. That seems about what what he should get on a regular basis. He's, he's a more explosive guy than Gore. I mean, he probably doesn't have – the patience and vision that Frank Gore has, but he's definitely bigger and faster. Let's try not to dig dirt on Frank Gore's grave on the same day he goes over 10,000 yards career rushing. Celebrate that, Frank Gore. Come on. It's hard to th- – when's the next runner going to get to 10,000? There aren't that many. There we go. <laughs> One of only 10 backs in NFL history to get to 10,000 yards in the same uniform. Wow. That's a good stat. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Um, I must have lost most of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We'll head to Tampa, where the Carolina Panthers did not have Cam Newton, who was uh, a scratch with a rib issue, and Derek Anderson, an old friend of Mark Sessler, 2007 All-Star mm, of the he Browns. He was juicy today. Steps in and does the job. He throws for 230 yards and two touchdowns. Gets the Panthers out into a nice 17 nothing lead. The Bucks staged a comeback, but ultimately the Panthers held on for a 2014 road victory. A nice win for Ron Rivera in a bad way for the Bucks to start a season that, you know, let's fr- frankly, let's say it has a lot of promise despite how ugly it ended. And Josh McCown delivered a very uneven performance. It got better uh, later in the game where it, when he threw some uh, touchdown passes, but he had one of the worst interceptions, as we said, when Patrick was on the line, you'll, you'll see ever. And generally kind of looked more like the Josh McCown we remembered that wasn't in the comforting womb of Mark Trestman. That's a, dis- that's a disturbing image. Mm, Mark Trestman's womb. Very warm, warm, liquid like some... place. <laughs> I think someone okay. is going to send in a good Photoshop on Twitter from that. 
Yeah, you got to beat the Panthers when Derek Anderson starts. Absolutely. It's a terrible loss for a Rams but team Anderson, that people are excited about. Anderson legitimately played well. He, he did not have a good fourth quarter, but he legitimately made throws in a few plays in this game that most quarterbacks wouldn't make. Like he, he had a quality start. I don't think they lost that much for this one game going to Derek Anderson. And watching this game, I have to admit, I had some residual team of ATL love. I'm watching this Carolina mm. Panthers team, and I'm thinking – do we have to give up on this team? I love this team flying old, around on defense. The old flame is back in your life. Yeah, maybe maybe the, the lesson might be here that if you want to get Derek Anderson to re- revive that, 19, that October 2007 form, you prepare him for four years for one game. <laughs> and that's what they did, and he came out and thread the needle. There is a genuine quarterback controversy in Carolina, right? Well, that's not true. Okay. But I, w- I will say this. First of all, you, you talked about the team of ATL. We're, we're picking one. We have four finalists. But I did say, Greg, as you know, we have the right. We reserve the right to make a, a, yeah. a Matthew Mulligan. We have that. So if we want to bring the Panthers back in the mix, we have a couple of weeks. Well, so. and they, we, they, we never technically eliminated them in the elimination chamber way back in what? August either. <laughs> Dan, does Cam Newton's sartorial choices today eliminate the Panthers from your mind? I, You know what? Cam Newton's got to relax, by the way. If you're inactive in a game, I don't want you coming out dressed like an American Gladiators character. I don't want you sprinting to the huddle and ha- you need to get admonished by the referee on the field and I then by the coach. I thought that was a fan or someone. And he'll be fine for that. So really great contribution. It's Thank just you. like, Cam, calm down. And I asked David Ely, uh, one of our great editors downstairs, you know, is he an only child? Like, why does he have this constant need for attention? Just do what all the other injured quarterbacks do. I know it's the first game you've ever missed, but just put your headset on, you know, whisper to the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach and the quarter- and Derek Anderson every once in a while. Just, you know, pipe down, buddy. Well, maybe as he spends more and more time on the bench behind <laughs> fireball Derek Anderson, he'll learn how his attitude should change. Grow a That's beard, true. buy a house in the wilderness. You know who also deserves a little attention? Kelvin Benjamin. Yes. Oh, yeah. That catch he oh, made. Yeah. We've trashed the preseason at times. That's what the preseason's good for, finding rookies like him, because you could tell he was legit in the preseason. He He's my favorite for offensive rookie of the Six year catches now. for 92 yards and that a gorgeous touchdown catch. He ripped it out of the hands of Mike Jenkins. Uh, yeah, the Panthers need Benjamin to be an instant difference maker. He certainly was in this game. A couple other facts. Doug Martin, Bucks running back. Let him, him and RG3, they should just get together and talk about how great 2012 was. Uh, he had nine carries for nine yards, uh, took a wicked hit, and he just didn't seem like himself in this game. And then finally, Deshaun Goldson, who gets paid a lot of money by the Bucks to make plays. Uh, everything we're saying about Derek Anderson is great, but he threw an interception with under two minutes ago, or should have been an interception, right to Deshaun Goldson, who could have walked in for the uh, go-ahead score and potential game winner. He dropped the ball. And then the Bucks turn it over in the next play from scrimmage, and the game's over. Deshaun Goldson needs to make that play. One last note on Calvin Benjamin. He had 20 more yards in his first game than Steve Smith had in any game with the Panthers last mm. year. Mm. I'm going to say it's not a good sign for the Bucks' offense that Javorski Lane was their most explosive player. <laughs> that's just that's my take. Um, finally, Sunday night football. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. The they, Denver they, Broncos... Again, look like the Denver Broncos after we saw the the Seattle Seahawks dismember them in front of uh, all of America and the world. They jump out to a huge first half lead. Three touchdown passes from Peyton Manning to Julius Thomas. They uh, hold down hold on to win in the second half. The Broncos are back on the winning end of things. One nothing. Thoughts? Are they weirdly boring? The Broncos that they just make these 
wins look routine and should I feel like I should be more excited when I'm watching the Broncos. It was a little bit of a letdown just that, that they got out to such a big lead in this game. I'm impressed with not so much the offense because we saw that all last year, but their defense, you know, they use the offseason to get tougher, bring in different more physical players. It showed tonight. You know, Andrew Luck has been behind a bad offensive line the whole time he's been in Indy. But, man, they really have got to fix that situation because he is going to get beaten up this season. Denver got to him tonight. And, yeah, I don't think that there's uh, – there are a lot of people who are talking about other teams winning the AFC South. I don't think the Colts are in any jeopardy of losing the AFC South. But they have so many roster holes, and they're the same holes that they had when Ryan Grigson took over. We'll see. I, d- I think the Titans or the Texans can get in the mix there. Just because I think the Colts aren't going to run away from – a 500 record. I think they'll be around there all year. It's too early to say all that. Reggie Wayne at least looked okay, came back in the mix tonight. And Emmanuel Sanders on the Denver side of the ball looks like he's going to be a nice signing. He made a beautiful catch in the first half, and uh, you know he'll he'll fill Derek Eric Decker's shoes just fine. It looks like. But I've got a fantasy strategy for Ooh, everyone. Next. Let's hear it. Dra- draft Julius Thomas as high as you possibly can. Mm. Watch him score three touchdowns or whatever he does in Week One every year, and then trade him. You don't trade good players. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> it's never his value is never going to be higher than right now. It's just like Julius Thomas. If you would have traded one. him last year at this time, you would have made a mistake. <laughs> That's it, gentlemen. That's it for most of Week One. Of course, we will have uh, the two games on Monday night: uh, the Lions and the Giants, and what's the other game? The Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, two team of ATL candidates. It could decide which one of those teams remains and doesn't get sent into the chamber of death. All <laughs> things made up to eight, team of ATL, which we take very seriously. Uh, so that's it. <laughs> so that's it for Sunday night's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed week one of the season. We got 16 more of these bad boys, so uh, we're excited for it. I know you guys are too, so we will be back on Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday with another brand new show. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Boss, The Sizzler, The Mailman, and TD. And And K-Rich. K-Rich. Behind the glass. Until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 